Half the battle is back. It's me, Daniel Levy, your host, and joining me on this very special Ultimate Fighter Finale 23, Joanna vs. Claudia edition of Half the Battle. We've got the MMA genius back in the house. we got Rockstar Z and Go Paulo, my two favorite Canadians. And, you know, it's funny because if I had James Lynch and uh, Nick or something, I'd probably call them my two favorite Canadians, <laughs> or Paul Shagger or uh, Cody. You know, I, I love all you guys, but today... You two are my favorite Canadians. So, Kyle Rockstarzy, welcome back to Half the Battle, man. Yeah, thanks for the respect. Uh, you're one of my favorite Americans for today. Uh, <laughs> just always stoked to uh, talk fights with you guys, so uh, let's get into it. I want to be one of your favorite Americans, but I want to be your favorite ATLian. So, as long <laughs> as I'm at the, the pound-for-pound ATL list, then I'm good to go. Go, Paula, Sportsnet, number one writer. How's it going, my man? How's it going, Daniel? Good to be back in the show. And for the record, you are my favorite ATLian. Uh, and happy Fourth of July to you guys over there. Thank you very much. Yeah, we uh, you know, we love America. We're not going to make too many jokes about how we're not uh, celebrating. I mean, we're, we're 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 celebrating. We love America. How's it going, MMA genius? I'm good, man. Uh, just ready to cash some more dodges uh, again. Yeah, again. And that's what we're about to do, because you know, we got. Oh, man, we got to talk about Li Jingliang. I mean, the last time, you know, I used to, I bet on this guy back when I did parlays, and, you know, he's winning the entire fight, and then he, he's beating up a dude that should be down a weight class. He's whooping his ass, and then he uh, gets choked out with, like, 10 seconds left. I was like, yeah, I'm done with this guy. But anyways, Li Jingliang, he's minus 345, and the comeback on Anton Zafir is plus 285. Now, Anton Zafir is what we like to refer to as a jobber, someone that's brought in to lose. If you watch his fight with Muntasri, I mean, you know, he actually uh, he did pretty good for the first minute and a half. He took him down. He passed to, I believe he got side control for a second. But as soon as Muntasri got back up, Anton Zafir backed himself up against the fence. He completely stopped fighting. And then Muntasri did a beautiful uh, spinning back kick to a spinning back fist and knocked him out. So I'd assume that on this full training camp, Anton's going to show up in better shape, and you know I did put the work in because the number is really good. But I can't, I can't take that shot, man. I think Li Jingliang, with his experience, with you know his well-roundedness, even though he fights like a dumbass, as the fight with uh, Keita Nakamura would indicate, uh, I, I got to pick him for the victory here. Yeah, man. Um, Zafir didn't look half bad for a couple minutes against Muntashri, but you know something's been up with Muntashri uh, lately these days. Um, Li Jingliang, you know, at one point I thought he was going to be a really good prospect from China, and, you know, he still might be. You know, Kita Nakamura is a bet. He gassed out, and he fucked up, and he slipped up. But I think uh, he should be able to take this one if he stays on the feet with the more crisp hands. Safir is more of a grinding style, which could uh, tire uh, the leech out, but I think he should be able to make those adjustments in his game and win a... Close decision. Now, Gopalo, I mean, which guy is going to be feeling the jet lag more? Because we got one guy coming in from China. We got the other guy coming coming in from Australia. So, I mean, those are some serious flights, man. Yeah, I don't know. Um, if anything, if they're both jet lagged, then we might be in for a really long, sloppy, not-so-fun fight here. So I'm hoping that's not the case. Well, uh, The thing is, like you said with Li Jingliang, I did put him in a parlay, too, and I was – feeling like a genius when he was putting the whooping on Keita Nakamura, and then he ends up getting choked out. And as we know, Keitaro's this really good grappler. I mean, he went in there against Tom Breeze, who was like a, what was he, like a 12-1 to 1 favorite or something like that, and he arguably won that fight against him. So he's not an 
an actual can like many people thought. Um, but yeah, man, Jing Liang, he's a he's a beast. He's a Mongolian, like I, like I said, and, and I'm pretty high on those guys because they're pretty much almost like the Dagestanis of of China. So those guys are beasting. But yeah, with that fight IQ, I really can't justify minus three forty five for this guy, and I'm not taking a shot on <laughs> tons of fear either. But as a pick, I pick him to win here, probably by some kind of TKO or or a decision. Now you mentioned he's Mongolian. Whenever I order Chinese food, I always get the Mongolian beef. Now, Kyle, I gotta know, man, are we in for an upset here, or is the minus three forty-five favorite gonna come through and not fuck it up this time with ten seconds left in the fight? Yeah, I think uh, I think Li Jingliang is a pretty safe pick, to be honest with you. Um, I feel like. Uh, Nakamura is just a seasoned vet with a good ground game, and he was able to weather the storm and seize his opportunity when he uh, when it when it was presented to him. Uh, Lee's got great uh, pop on his punches, very uh, very aggressive, but also calculated. And like you said, Anton Zafir is just a, a part-time fighter. Um, you know, we, he just came in and got knocked out in the first round, and he was gassing halfway through that first round. Maybe uh, with a full camp, his gas tanks improved, but I don't think so. And uh, I did pass. I was looking at putting Lee. Um, in a parlay in his last fight, uh, I passed on that one because, like I said, Nakamura is a vet. But in this one, I'm actually I'm looking at using him uh, as a parlay leg here. I just can't see how Anton Zafir gets it done. So I know, Dan, you definitely uh, swore off parlays, and I'm not trying to convince you to do that. But uh, I've been making money with them, so uh, I think he's a pretty safe, uh, solid pick here. Oh, yeah, you're not going to convince me either way, man. you got to do your thing, and I'm going to do my thing. And next up, we got Jake Matthews. He's minus 135. The comeback on Kevin Lee is plus 115. And you know what? I've been quite impressed with Jake Matthews. It's not his technical abilities. It's his heart. It's his athleticism. And ever since uh, my boy Vic taught him a lesson, Jake Matthews has come back a completely different man. I mean, you recall the fight against Akbar Areola gets caught with a big head kick. A lot of guys could have quit, covered up, and looked for the ref. This guy got back up to his feet and put a beating on Akbar. And then his very next fight with Johnny Case, which, you know, we cashed that underdog play. You know, people online that are very respected uh, analysts or whatever you want to use as the word were saying shit like, oh, uh, Johnny Case is free money here. This is easy. I was like, there's no easy money in this game. You know, you got to put in your work. And uh, we put in the work, and Jake Matthews cashed there. I believe he will cash here as well. The thing is, you know, Kevin Lee, I honestly, I know he's 24 years old and he's a specimen, but I honestly feel like he's declined a bit, and it's tough to say that about a 24-year-old, but if you watch the tape, it speaks for itself. You know, ever since the Leo Santos knockout, you know, he didn't face defeat like a champion. When when Kevin Lee faced defeat, he started saying shit like, oh, I, I was waiting for him to fall. It was a fluke, this and that. But when you watch the fight, it's not just the knockout blow that Leo Santos landed. It's not just the fact that Kevin Lee threw a rear uppercut without setting it up and uh, Leo Santos banged the, re the right hand. That's not, uh, that's not the story of the fight. Leo Santos was using that jab beautifully. He even blast-doubled Kevin Lee. He took his back, and then he knocked him out. So Leo owned him from uh, Bell. I'm not going to say Bell to Bell because it was, uh, you know, it was about a four-minute fight, but he owned him the entire time, and Kevin did not take that loss like a champion. He's been making excuses, and I just uh, I don't like that. And then his next fight with Ephraim, you know, you got a, a gimme fight, and, man, a lot of people, including this guy right here, think that Ephraim won that fight. It wasn't convincing enough. So with Jake, yes, he might not be as technical as Kevin, but I think up here, mentally, he's tougher, he wants it more, he's more athletic, and he'll find a way to win in this spot. 
Yeah, it's a good fight. Yeah, I did think uh, Kevin Lee lost to uh, Ephraim. Um, Kevin Lee, very athletic, strong, but um, I feel like when he's on the feet, he can be really, like, stuck, stocky, um, you know, not moving a lot. As where Jake, um, he's getting better at that. You know, he did uh, lose it around the case, I believe, at uh, he got taken down, but I like we said, I mean, Kevin Lee's declining. Against a guy like Ephraim, who's on his way out of the game, he should have dominated in that position, and he arguably lost. Um, I thought he looked slower on the feet. His wrestling wasn't, even though he did get that uh, takedown in the third round, in the prior to that, his wrestling wasn't as sharp as it uh, generally was when he was uh, when he was viewed as, you know, one of the top uh, lightweight prospects. So, yeah, I do think he's on the decline. And, you know, to be honest, I wouldn't even mind uh, playing Jake straight here. But um, I'm going to pass just because, you know, Jake, he's a young kid. Um, but uh, my thing with Kevin is I think he's really emotional as a fighter. I mean, I think he, he – I mean, as you can see, if you follow him on Twitter, he's very emotional. He says a lot of stupid things. His head's all over the place. Even in that Efrain fight, he's – I'm getting emotional in the fight, so I mean, as I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that shot on him to be honest. But um, Jake's the big here. And he, speaking of Jake straight, I mean, it went from minus one eighty-five to minus one thirty-five, so a little bit of value on that. Now, Kyle, I mean, I gotta know, man, you think that uh, Kevin Lee can have the performance of his career here, or is Jake Matthews going to keep the momentum going? I think uh, I think Lee's almost uh, one of these fighters who's uh, too good for his own good. You know, like he gets so complacent in there. Uh, he does have mental lapses. And when you're when you're talking about a beast like Jake Matthews, um, I, personally, I can't get a good read on this guy. I've lost money on his last two fights, um, but you know he's making big improvements. He's very very large. Uh, both these guys are listed at five nine, so I'm gonna be curious to see them on the scale. But uh, I'm I'm leaning uh, Jake Matthews, and where the line is now, I think it's pretty accurate. So uh, might pass on a bet, but I just see you know Jake's just such a bull in the clinch, and he's. I really liked how he added that um, uh, back kick to the or that you know rear leg back kick rear leg kick to the body. Sorry, uh, you know he used that really well in his last fight. Hurt um, Johnny Case multiple times with it, and uh, like I said, he's making improvements. So um, I agree with you in the sense that Kevin Lee looked spectacular uh, coming into the UFC and has kind of either stagnated or started to decline, um, and and that's strange uh, when you're talking about a prospect. So yeah, I'm leaning uh, Jake Matthews, but um, I think the line's correct, so I'm not sure I'm gonna bet it. Yeah, that body kick was beautiful, and you know when you have a soft frame like Johnny Case does, you're definitely gonna feel that. But uh, with uh, Kevin Lee, you know he's built like a brick shit house, so I think the biggest thing here is you gotta touch this guy's chin. Now, Paulo, what, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, when it comes to being a brick shit house, like you mentioned, I mean Kevin Lee's a pretty beasting guy as well. I mean Jake Matthews is uh, he's got a pretty good physique too. Um, both of them do actually; they look like physical specimens. The thing about Lee's, this guy's Really strong, man. Like you said, he, he went up there against uh, Michael Prezeris, who we know is built like, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy just got suspended. Oh, Gleason Tebow. And, you know, he pretty much managed to handle himself in there and beat him to that. Uh, the thing that really stands out to me is I don't think Kevin Lee's chin is is that good at all, man. I mean, I rewatched his fight with Ally Quinta, and, you know, like, you know, getting rocked by Ally Quinta is, is not the same thing as getting rocked by someone else because, you know, Ally Quinta is a good boxer. And he keeps getting better, but I mean, the first good clean shot that uh, Quinta landed, he went, he pretty much just went down, and then he hit him again uh, around the third, and he got hurt again. And then we we know what uh, Leo Santos did to him in that fight. So if this fight stays standing, which I think it might for a good portion of the fight, and Jake Matthews uh, starting to add more improve uh, additions to his arsenal, 
I think J there's a good chance Jake Matthews hurts um, Kevin Lee and he either like turtles up or Matthews follows him to the ground and finishes him. But uh, as a pick here, I'm going with Jake Matthews too. I know I picked Kevin Lee a week before, but you know a lot of things change from week to week. So, but I'm going to go with Jake Matthews here, and I'm kind of happy that the line's trending to uh, trending down. Yeah, now next up we got a battle of the chins because Cesar Mutanch is fighting Anthony Lionheart Smith, and we got Smith at minus 145. The comeback on Mutanch is plus 125. Now, a lot of people views, view this fight as, you know, who's going to go down first, and it could be that kind of fight. Um, but then again, with Cesar Mutanch's last fight, everyone played the under and they all lost. So, you know, it, it's not necessarily going to go down how it looks on paper, you know, and also here's the thing, Anthony Smith, you know, that first round when he's fresh, I mean, the dude puts out that offense, I mean, he's a motherfucker on the feet, but then that second round when he gasses a little bit, third round you start teeing off on the guy, he starts looking for the door, I think the difference between the two of them is Mutanchi has the worst chin and uh, Smith has the worst heart. I mean, they both have shitty chins, let's be honest here. They've both been knocked out multiple times. But at least Mutanchi has heart. And I think in his last fight, he showed that he accepted the fact that, hey, maybe I can't take a punch like I used to, but if I can overcome that initial onslaught, I can come back and win the fight. And that's exactly what he did. Whereas with Lionheart, he started off really strong in his fight, and then he faded late, and then he completely quit in the third round and somehow won the decision. So... My question here is, can Cesar Mutanch take the early onslaught? Because I know that uh, Lionheart is going to come right at him right away. He's going to be throwing heat. So it's a matter of, you know, can Cesar Mutanch weather that storm? If he weathers that storm, he will win this fight. But if he does not weather that storm, he will get KO'd in the first round. So, you know, I'm going to pass. But, I mean, I was considering Mutanch because of the UFC experience and all this. But, I mean, the dude's been... You know, when, when you get launched by Sam Alvey halfway across the octagon after whooping his ass for three minutes and he just stares at you, you, you don't bet on a guy like that. You you wait for better opportunities. Yeah, man. Um, Anthony Smith, he gets right down to business. He gets in your face and he starts throwing leather. Cesar's more patient, better kicks, uh, better jujitsu. even though he doesn't use it as much lately because he's so worried about getting hit. Um I was considering Cesar, but I can't bet on a guy with that chin. Um, as far as a tout master pick, it's a 50-50 fight. Uh, I'll probably take Cesar, but um, I think Smith can take this if he gets right to business and doesn't wobble like he's known for, and hopefully Cesar goes down in his eyes. But um, I think Smith could take this by just being more aggressive. Now, Paulo, you remember everyone playing the under and the Bang Bosi versus Mutanchi fight acting like that was a lock, and, you know, obviously it wasn't because it went the full 15-minute uh, distance. Is this one of those situations again, man? Uh, I don't know about that. The thing about the the Bang Bosi fight is that there was, like, a path. I mean, there was a, a question mark there, whereas if Bang Bosi gets taken down, what's going to happen in that fight, right? Because we, we've only seen two fights of Bang Bosi. One fight, he got knocked out right away, and the other fight, he knocked the guy out right away. So, But the thing about Mutanch was what I saw was, because I bet the Mutanch by decision there, I caught it when it was like plus 550. That was like plus, I think that was plus 900 at one point, which I thought was an insane <coughs> number because I didn't think Mutanch was going to take chances if you get Bang Bosi down on the ground. He would pretty much just lay on him and just, you know, uh, grind him out and stuff. The thing with Anthony Smith is he's not as green on the ground as um, 
uh, what's his name, Bang Bolas. So I don't know if Mitanji is going to try wrestling him and outgrinding him there. I think yeah, I honestly think Mitanji is going to get knocked out, man. The way this guy gets knocked out, he doesn't just get you know TKO'd and saved by ref. He like drops like a sack of potatoes on the ground, as in like. I mean, even guys who aren't power punchers are known for their power, like, um, what's his name, uh, Jorge Masvidal, pretty much just dropped him like he was Anthony Johnson there. So you definitely can't be confident on a guy like that. And I know Anthony Smith, like, he quits and turtles up too, but I'd say he has a slightly better chin than Mutanch because I think Mutanch is the worst chin in the division. So i got to go with Anthony Smith by knockout here. I think he's going to eventually catch his chin and Mutanch is going to drop. And, yeah, he's going to be – he might go out entirely. Yeah, and you mentioned the questions about Bangbozi's ground game, but another question I had in that fight was, what happens if it goes past the first round? And I think those questions were answered. Now, Kyle, I mean, is someone going down here, or are they going to go the full three-round uh, distance? Yeah, uh, I think uh, Caesar is going down. Even though that fight went the distance, you recall he did get dropped in the first round, and he was in a lot of trouble. And Smith is much has a much larger frame than Bambos, probably less power, but I really like the way he uses misdirection with his footwork. He comes in at different angles, and he fake, fakes guys out a lot. Um, I think you're going to see Caesar. Uh, he enjoys uh, keeping the fight at distance, and so he's going to be on the back foot versus Anthony. And uh, Anthony pressures really, really well, mixes everything up, cuts off the cage. So I don't like playing him as a favorite, but it, I think uh, sprinkling uh, Smith by KO or Smith in round one uh, that's uh, plus 190 for the KO, plus 250 for him in round one. So um, that's the angle I would take if I decide to bet on this fight. Uh, like you guys alluded to, I think Caesar's probably better on the ground and could probably take over late. But, uh, yeah, I, I really think uh, Anthony is the, the better striker and is just going to walk him down and catch him and uh, drop Caesar like he drops in all his fights. Now, next up, we got a very, very intriguing flyweight matchup. We got John Moraga. He's minus mm. 170. The comeback on Mateos Nicolau is plus 150. Now, a lot of people don't know about Mateos Nicolau, but I'm here to tell you, this guy is a legit prospect. He's someone you got to keep your eye out for. He's going to have a very, very bright future in this sport. The question is, is he ready to rise to that occasion right now? You know, because John Moraga's experience. John Moraga has been in there with DJ. He's been in there with Dodson. He's been in there with Benavides. He's lost to all three of those guys, but he's still been in there with everyone. He choked out Scoggins. He beat Dustin Ortiz in Atlanta, even though we all thought Dustin Ortiz won. I was sitting next to Dustin Ortiz's dad. We could not believe the decision, but still, he's experienced. He's seasoned, and uh, he comes to fight. The thing with Mateos Nicolau, like we said, is he ready to you know to make that jump? Is he ready to, to break out now? Because he will have a breakout performance. It's just a matter of is this going to be the time? You know because he's not fighting a uh, Bruno Correa anymore. This uh it's not just showing up at the gym no more. This is John Moraga, the number six flyweight on planet Earth. So uh you know we got to see if Mateus can can rise to the occasion. I'm gonna sit back and watch as a fan because like I said, anytime you got a vet like Moraga who's been in there with everyone and you got the young kid that no one knows about that's that everyone's counting out, you might want to take a shot on the dog. But for me personally, I don't know if he's at that level yet. That's why I'm going to sit back and watch, find out firsthand if Mateus Nicolau is the real deal. Yeah, man. Um, when the before the line came out, you know, I watched Nicolau and I and I, you know, I got really uh, intrigued, thinking he could beat Moraga because, you know, Moraga he's a tough guy, um, but you know, his his boxing isn't anything. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think it's going to be that much of a problem for a guy like Nicolau, who at times, in my opinion, can look like a younger, fresher version of like Henan, You know, like 
with the leg kicks, the knees, and just the crisp body head combos that he throws. But you know, he hasn't he hasn't reacted under the bright lights um, against a guy like Moraga, who's been in every possible situation, knows how to react. He's been beat up and come back before, whereas this kid hasn't. Um, I liked it. The line on it was plus one seventy five, plus one fifty. You know, if I want to see Nikolau is that guy that I think he is. Um, We'll see, but the pick is Nikolau, and I got respect for Miraga, but, you know, I don't really think he's progressed as a fighter. You know, I think he's just the same tough guy that's always willing to bang, but I, I think uh, when you face a, a way crisper guy like this, I think uh, Nikolau pulls it off. Yeah, and you're 100% correct when you say that Miraga has remained the same. The question is, has Nikolau surpassed him? That's, uh, that's the big question. That's what we got to find out. Now, Kyle, I mean, do you think Nikolau's at the point where he can defeat the number six flyweight on planet Earth this uh, Friday night? Uh, like you guys say, uh, I'm not sure, but uh, Nicolo is definitely a prospect. I mean, very, very crisp fighter, well-rounded, great shot selection, uh, great like hook-punch combinations. Um, I'm a big fan, but I'm also a huge fan of John Moraga. I love how scrappy this dude is. He's like the dude you would look at and you'd go, oh, that guy's tough, I don't want to fight him, but he can actually <laughs> fight as well. Um, you know, uh, it's just so sketchy because I don't think the line's juicy enough. Um, and you guys say that Moraga hasn't really evolved, but I think uh, I think he's been incorporating kicks a lot better as of late. And it's important to note too, uh, Moraga's been out for a year. He had an inner ear injury, um, so it, that's that kind of sketches me out. I, I haven't really heard of fighters coming back from that. So uh, I don't know if, if his equilibrium is going to be uh, off. Um, but I did notice that he he likes to keep his lead hand low. And with Mateus Nicolo, the way he throws hooks and the way he, he's very accurate with his punches, um, I think he can give him problems. So, you know, it, I was originally I was looking at using Moraga as a parlay leg. There's no way I'm doing that here. And I'm, I am tempted to bet Nicolo to find out if he's uh, good enough and tight enough to get the job done here. But, uh, you know, this is a huge step up in competition. Like you said, from Bruno Correa to John Moraga, that's, you're jumping a lot of guys in, the, in that list. So... Um, I'm probably going to end up sitting back and watching it as a fan. It's just a, it's an incredible fight. I, I really think flyweight is is uh, always underrated. I think it's a deep division, and I think there's a lot of exciting guys in it. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Those people that talk shit about flyweight should probably stop watching the sport. Now, Paulo, I mean, who you got, man? You got the bright prospect or you got the vet? I really want to pick the bright prospect in this, but I don't really know too much about Nicola. I know um, I followed him in the the ultimate fighter, I think it was the last season, and he was one of the, I think he was the first pick in, um, was, it, was it Anderson Silver, who, who, no, Silva's team, I think, because this guy was supposedly this um, really great jiu-jitsu fighter, a great all-around fighter, but he had an underwhelming performance on the show, although, you know, fighters tend to fight weird on the show because, you know, they're maintaining, some of them are maintaining their weight, maybe they just feel weird because there's cameras all around them all the time, uh, so it might be just one of those things. Um, but yeah, this is a huge step up for him in competition. The thing about Moraga, though, is yeah, this guy's the number six fighter in the world. But whether he's fighting uh, the number fifteen guy or an unranked guy or the top guy, he, his fights tend to be like back and forth and close, man. I mean, if you're laying juice on a guy like him as a favorite, you can't be completely um, what's it called uh, comfortable on that bet because there's gonna be uh, uh, points in his fight where he gets caught in a choke or where he gets taken down repeatedly or is going to be put up against a fence. It, like, I don't know. It's just hard to describe the, w the way this guy fights because, like uh, Z said, he's scrappy and he's 
is the type of guy that he's good all around, so he can handle himself anywhere. So maybe he's more prone to taking risks because he knows, oh, if this fight goes to the ground, then I, I got jiu-jitsu. If this guy pushed me up against the fence, well, I, I'm pretty strong in the clinch too. If this guy wants to strike, then I'll strike with him. Um, but I got to go with Moraga just for the experience factor. I think um, I think he'll be able to pull it through to the end in a pretty entertaining fight. And next up, we finally got an opportunity here. We got Gray Maynard. He's minus 165. The comeback on Fernando Bruno is plus 145. Now, look, you know, this is funny because the way a lot of people describe this fight is, oh, Bruno has zero wins by KO. And, you know, Gray's been losing all his fights by KO. Therefore, Bruno can't knock him out, which is complete bullshit. But how about this? Have you guys considered the fact that maybe Bruno can out-wrestle Gray? Like, look. I know Gray has the credentials. I know he's the D1 All-American, but, I mean, let's be honest here. He's on a seven-fight losing streak. I, that draw to, to Frankie was a loss. I don't care what anyone says. He lost that fight four rounds to one. And uh, the Guida fight, you want to count that as a win? Okay, so, so he's lost six of seven. Fine. Fine, you got me there. But in my book, he's on a seven-fight losing streak. His last real win was against Kenny Florian in 2010. Okay. Now, not only has his chin declined, his entire game has declined. Now, with Fernando Bruno, like we mentioned, yeah, he doesn't have any KO wins, but he likes to take dudes down to the ground. He trains at Novo now with a, with with Aldo, with Barrao, with Marlon Sandro, with all those, with Mateos Nicolau, you know, with Delano Lopez, with all these beasts. And uh, Gray dropping ten pounds when he's, you know, when he had trouble making fifty-five in the past. This era of the sport, you know, shit has been changing dramatically. This is not the same Gray Maynard. You know, when it was plus 115 on Bruno, I was thinking about passing. But, man, plus 145, dude, I might have to take the shot just based on principle. You know, Gray should not be fighting. When a guy should not be fighting and he's a minus 170 favorite or just or just a favorite in general, I might have to take the shot on the dog. I mean, Bruno's never been knocked out. His only losses, he had two close split decisions, and he lost to Glaco Franca, who's no fucking slouch at all, as you saw in his fight with Vic. So, I mean, yeah, I don't think the drop to 145 is a good idea for Gray. I know it's a tailor-made opponent, but I think people will be surprised when Fernando Bruno takes down Gray Maynard. And uh, I'm honestly kind of convincing myself to take that one-unit shot, but uh, we'll make talks after the weigh-ins. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, Winner of the line was... Plus 115, I was passing. I mean, I was thinking they are trying to give Gray an easy win. They're trying to give him a guy with no punching power. But that doesn't mean – I mean, Bruno's a grown man, and he can land a punch. You know, and I feel like when Gray, Gray gets rocked, his whole game shuts off. His wrestling is gone. His, his uh, aggressive, aggressiveness, even though Gray's chin is completely shot, he still does manage to get a takedown at least every fight. The thing is – um, at this stage of his career, when he gets that takedown and Bruno works back up to his feet, is he going to completely mentally check out and just go straight down? And I think he will. You know, um, at plus 145, I have to be willing to see if Gray is completely done, which he is. He shouldn't be fighting. Dropping away. He's dropping 10 pounds. His chin's completely shot. It might be that complete obvious thing that loses, but, I mean, I have to see just based on the principle. Fernando Bruno... Um, you know, he sh actually should be familiar with Gray. I mean, Gray uh, used to go up to Nova and Yao a lot to help uh, Jose. Um, so, I mean, he should be he should be used to him. Um, his chin was probably declining back then as well. Um, I just think Bruno at plus 145, I feel like that's a must bet. 
Yeah, and when we talk about that 7-5 losing streak that Gray Maynard's on, it's not like uh, he hasn't been taken down. I know he's been knocked out a lot, but he's also been taken down in those fights. So, you know, the whole D1 All-American shit, yeah, it was really great when he first got into the sport and he was consistently, you know, improving his wrestling. But uh, his uh, skills, I'm not going to say they remain the same because they haven't. They've declined tremendously. Now, Kyle, i got to know your perspective on this fight, man. Yeah, um, I agree. He's on a seven-fight losing streak, but look at that. Look at the guys he's been fighting. He fought Edgar twice, one of the best pound-for-pound fighters of all time. We can all agree. Guida, yeah, it's a loss, but Guida's an awkward dude to fight. TJ Grant, who looked like a killer. Nate Diaz, who's a killer. Ross Pearson, a high-level contender. And six-foot-three, Thunder of the North, Yakov Lev. Now he's fighting a five-foot-six guy who didn't win tough. Um, I'm, there's no way I'm betting on Maynard, but... I would need plus 200 to, to fade Gray against this guy. I just think it's a huge step down in competition. Um, I, I think Gray has the better boxing still. And I think he, he's just going to be the bigger guy, be able to outmuscle him. I'm definitely worried about dropping the weight class. I'm definitely worried about him being uh, 36, 37 years old. Like I get that you want to fade Gray Maynard, but I'm just not sure this is the fight to do it in. I, I really don't think Fernando's going to be able to reach him or, or outgrapple him. Uh, so for me, it's a clear pass. Good luck to you if you pull the trigger on it. But uh, if you if you want my opinion, I would I would advise not uh, no bet here. Well, I do want your opinion. That's why I got you on the show. But I'm still I'm still gonna take the shot because look, yes, he has been fighting sure. higher higher level guys than Bruno. But the facts are the facts. It's not like he's you know losing this clo- these closely contested split decisions to these guys. He's getting blown out the water to the point where he takes one little punch, he completely freezes up. He's getting taken down by guys that he wouldn't normally be taken down by. You know, he could barely make 155. He was the he was he's the bully, you know. He's known as being the biggest lightweight there, and now he's dropping to 45. I mean, we know uh, historically speaking dropping weight classes isn't good for the chin. And he's minus 170. I mean, I just, I got to do it, bro. I think. I mean, unless Alani gets even better, then I. Uh, we'll see. Well, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make talks after the weigh ins. Uh, Paulo, I mean, who you got here, bro? Yeah, I guess pretty much said a lot of it. So I'll just add a, li- a little bit to it. Um, uh, no bet for me, man. I'm de- I'm not as confident that Asugero, a.k.a. Bruno, can out wrestle Maynard or can, can knock him out. Because honestly, this guy watching him strike, I'm like, I mean, he's 34 years old, and I don't know how much better he can get with his striking. Um, he's had a lot of fights in there too, and I mean he lost to Glyco because Glyco is huge, man. Like watching that fight, it looked like Glyco was a welterweight and Bruno was a featherweight. So I'm like, holy fucking shit, man. But I mean he was able to find a bit of success against Glyco there. And the thing about Gray though, yeah, this guy's a big lightweight, and he's not the tall, big lightweight like a James Vick or Glyco was. He was this stocky guy that looked like an NFL running back. And, I mean, that kind of body type where you're just, like, chunky like that, like a Tiago Alves or Gleason Tebow, I'm like, I have, like, these guys must have terrible weight cuts because, like, you know, having that kind of body type, that's the type of body where it's not easy to shed um, to shed weight. You're, you're not like an uh, ectomorph, I think the term is, where you just burn shit away easily. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how Gray's going to look there. But, uh as far as a pick, I'm going to go with Asugero here. I think he's going to maybe, um, I don't know, knock out Gray at some point. I know that's a tall order. I said that this guy is a sloppy striker and has zero knockouts. But, I mean, Gray Minard's chin is just uh, it's just so bad, man. I think if he catches a good one to the chin, he might just fall down and turtle up. So i got to go with Bruno here. Yeah, and I mean, there's always a first for everything. And Rockstars, he was like, well, I mean, this is a five foot six, you know. But, look. 
the first guy to knock out Gray Maynard was also 5'6". I know he's a Hall of Famer, but hey, the facts are the facts, right? Now next up, we got, who do we got? We got Joachim Neto BJJ Silva. He's minus 130. The comeback on Andrew Holbrook is plus 110. Now, uh, you know, I think Holbrook's nickname should be Neto BJJ because he's actually the one that uses his uh, BJJ. You know what I'm saying? With a... Uh, with uh with Neto BJJ with Joaquin Silva, he, we should call him Neto Muay Thai because you know he he likes to throw he likes to throw his strikes. He's he's got a he's got a good physique for the division. I mean he's built. He's he's fucking huge, man. He, he comes to fight. He's no joke. The thing I like about Holbrook, even though he is a bit chinny, he uh, his stand up is quite suspect. On the ground, that dude is no fucking slouch. I truly believe if he fought Sage Northcutt, which he was initially supposed to, I believe he would have submitted him. And that's no disrespect to Sage. It's just, you know, when we make these picks, we pick what we think is going to happen. And this fight, man, this is, for me, one of the toughest fights on the entire card to call. I'm going to go with Holbrook, though, just because I've been more impressed with him. But uh, he could get knocked out here. Yeah, man. Um... I got to go with Neto BJJ on this one. I actually hopped on the opener at plus 110 when he was the underdog just because I thought he should have been the favorite. Um, even though he did have a very close fight with uh, Nazarino's last fight, uh, that second and third round, man, he was like the Terminator. He was just walking forward, walking through all of his shots and blasting him with hard shots and busting him up. And like we said with Holbrook, I mean, his chin. When you let a guy like Ramsey bum rush you, which Ramsey is known for, but still, when you let him rock you like that, Several times, two or three times, you know, I think if uh, Neto BJJ stays in his face, stuffs the takedown like he did his last fight, I think he will knock him out. Yeah, now, Paulo, I mean, you you got Neto BJJ or Holbrook. I know you've been high on Neto BJJ in the past, so, I mean, you got Neto Muay Thai or uh, Andrew Neto BJJ Holbrook? I've got uh, Neto Muay Thai here. Um... Yeah, but I think he, I think he's just a better striker, and I think he's got he's good enough on the ground to um, handle himself there in case Holbrook decides to take it there. So uh, just by by the by the logic of having more ways to win and being the slightly better all around fighter, I gotta go with him to win this fight. And you know what? I don't want to be that guy that kind of like throws shade at a fighter and say, says this guy's not passing the eyeball test and he looks like he might be on something. But you know, like uh, in in any case, that might just be the say case. It. Just be honest. It's all good. Yeah, because I have the suspicion that this guy might uh, be taking some extra vitamins, if you know what I mean. So I got to go with that guy based on that. Wait, you have a suspicion that a Brazilian's been taking his Flintstone vitamins? <laughs> Shocker. Hey, Kyle, who do you got, man? Neto BJJ or Holbrook? I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on uh, Silva to pass a drug test. Uh, <laughs> that might not be politically correct, but politically correct doesn't cash bets. Um. I think uh, about that Holbrook fight with Nijem, that was a very interesting interesting fight. I thought that Holbrook actually edged it out. Uh, I just rewatched it today. Um, and it was interesting because uh, Nijem found success like blitzing him and just, just almost throwing caution to the wind and just aggressively going after him. Um, Silva's not going to do that, but Silva's clearly the better striker, and he has a phenomenal ability to scramble back up to his feet if he is taken down. So... I think it's just going to be a, a kind of a slow-paced. Uh, Silva, you know, keeps him at, at striking range, defense takedowns, and just uh, picks away with, picks away at him with uh, with hard shots. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Silva as well. If he shows up uh, in the form he did his last fight, I'm pretty sure he hasn't fought outside of Brazil, so that is interesting to to keep an eye on. But uh, I love his shot selection. Good switch kick to the head and to the body. 
He loves to throw that right hand. He's got a good uh, lead left hook. Um, so I, I really like fighters like that who are just fundamentally sound everywhere. Uh, they might not have the most diverse uh, strikes, but what they do, they do very well, and they know how to time it, and, uh, and that's what Silva is. So, um, yeah, I, I see him just landing the bigger shots, keeping it upright, and winning the decision. Now, shit's about to get real because we got Duho Choi, the Korean Superboy. He's minus 235, and the comeback on Tiago Tabarez is plus 195. Now, you guys know I, I love Duho Choi. I mean, it's like the Korean Thomas Almeida, you know, the knee, the heel, the elbow. I mean, this guy feasts on the carcass when he knocks guys out, and he's an absolute machine. The biggest question in this fight is, can he stuff a takedown? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, do you know if he can stuff a takedown against a guy like Tavares? I personally don't know. That's why, you know, if in my older days when I was parlaying shit, I would have parlayed Duho on the spot. But my question here is, like, can he stuff a takedown from a fucking serious UFC vet that has been in there with everyone, taken many people down, been in the three-round wars, lost fights and come back, you know, face defeat like a champion? So uh, I honestly don't fault the shot on uh, Tavares here, but for me personally, I got that first-round knockout by Duho Choi, the Korean superboy. Whether it's uh, the uppercut, the knee, the left hook, the overhand right, the elbow, Tavares is probably going down here. Yeah, man, um, I'm a big fan of uh, Duho. Parlayed him his last uh, two fights, actually. Um, yeah, this is a tough fight just based on, like, uh, the Moraga Nicolau thing, the experience. Um, Tiago's been in there in every situation, and Duho hasn't. But the sprawl that Duho showed me his last fight, the way he sprawled that easily, like, without even effort, I just think he's going to be too much, man. I just think he's too athletic. We've seen Tiago get knocked out by a lineman, Roller, uh, Ortega. Um, There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. Um, you know, get outstruck by Lentz. I mean, I, we've seen this guy get beat on the feet several times, you know. That doesn't mean anything, but I Shane think if Roller. Sh <laughs> Shane Roller knocked him out, so, um, <laughs> you know, like, I just think if this guy shows up, stuffs the takedown, I just don't see T uh, Tavares escaping one, but I do not blame that shot on a serious veteran at plus 195. You know, it could creep up to 2-1, to one, so I definitely don't uh, blame that shot because we haven't seen Duho actually fight fight, you know. We haven't seen him get taken down, get back up get tired and, you know, face adversity. So, but the pick is Duho, Duho first-round KO. Um, yeah. Paulo, I mean, are we, is uh, is uh, Tiago Tavares going to get knocked out here, or is he going to teach uh, Duho his first uh, lesson in MMA? Um, yeah, I think Choi's going to crush him pretty quickly here. Um, um, the only thing is, like I said before, like, it's weird with Tavares, it's historically this guy gets knocked out by grapplers, and he tends to beat strikers. And Duho Choi is a striker, but Duho Choi might be the best striker he's faced, um, I think, ever, probably. Um, the funny thing is he's been in the UFC for such a long time now. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, the thing about Choi, though, is he's actually very good on the ground, and I think he could get up if uh, Tavares takes him down. But Tavares is something else on the ground, man. This guy's beasting, and we were talking about Neto Muay Thai taking some extra vitamins. I don't know if Tavares might be taking some extra vitamins too. So, um, But yeah, you know, the shot on the underdog with him is 2-1 to one because he definitely has the path to victory, but I don't think he's going to get to it. I think what's going to happen is when Choi lands like a solid bomb on him, he's going to get rocked, he's going to shoot for a panic takedown, and then he's going to eat a knee and he's going to flop and die. Yeah, and... Uh... 
I actually expect uh, Tavares to look a little bit a little bit softer, if you know what I mean. Softer, <laughs> softer around the midsection, as uh, Conor McGregor would say. Now, Kyle, I mean, we, is uh, Korean Superboy going to do some Thomas Almeida shit out there? And I'm not referring to his fight with Cody Garbrandt either. <laughs> or, uh, you know, is this going to be one of those times when, you know, the, the young kid gets that first lesson, that first ass-whooping, gets taken down, can't get back up? Or is he going to get knocked the fuck out? Let's be honest here. Uh, yeah, I think Duho is going to knock him out for sure. I love how, uh, just like with Maribek Tysimov, he gets guys to lean into his shots. And I think uh, Paulo hit the nail on the head when he said that once Tavares feels a couple of those shots, uh, he's either going to shoot for panic takedowns or he's going to be too far on the outside to really set up his shots. And it's just going to look bad, I think. And uh, like the genius said, we saw Duho defend a, a takedown against Sam Cecilia. Definitely Sam's not the best fighter all, all, all around, but um, the way he did it where he dug for an underhook just shucked him off. Um, I was very impressed. And with such a young kid, I just, you know, I, I'm going to assume that all these younger guys are pretty much well-rounded. That might be a, that might be a leap and there's going to be, you know, exceptions to the rule, but this is such a young kid. You know, he didn't start just kickboxing. You know, he started training MMA. So um, yeah, I love, I love the pinpoint striking of Duho Choi and I, I think I'm going to be parlaying him. And next up, it's about to get contentious because we got Will Brooks. He's a minus 380 favorite in his UFC debut, and he's taking on Ross Pearson, who's plus 315. Now, I got a lot of respect for Will Brooks. I mean, one doesn't simply put together a 17-1 and MMA record. And, you know, he, uh, he was the former Bellator lightweight champion, beat Mike Chandler twice, beat Dave Jansen, beat Marcin Held, you know, beat Syed Awad and all these guys. But, uh... This isn't Marcin Held. This isn't Syed Awad. This isn't Dave Jansen. This isn't the ghost of Mike Chandler. This is Ross Pearson. This is a guy who comes to fight, is experienced, has been in there with everyone, knows what the bright lights are like. You know, this uh, UFC 200 International Fight Week Media Week isn't going to be a big deal for Ross because he's been here so many times with Will. I know he's going to be feeling that media week. You know, this is the first time where all the cameras. And it's not just showing up at the gym no more. All the cameras are going to be in his face. Uh, you know, he's going to have to be asking. He's, he's going to be asking. You know, talking. Uh, fuck. I can't even. I can't even talk. He's going to be asked about his Bellator bullshit. He's. Uh, I just think this is going to be a very overwhelming moment for him. I mean, he went on Ariel Hawani talking about how he was thinking about killing himself. Like, why would you admit that publicly, man? And. Uh, all that shit, you know, you can't fight with emotion, man. Now, when it comes down to the actual skill set, the actual fight, I understand Ross has declined a bit. He's a little bit slower, but you know what? He's so experienced. He's very meat and potatoes with his striking. He, uh, his head movement's not half bad. He'll he'll uh, split that split that jab, throw the nice right, mix it up to the body, leg kicks. He, he's got he's got the striking arsenal down, and I mean. You know, when he was a plus uh, 450 dog to Paul Felder, everyone counted him out. He cashed there. He was a dog against Laprie, cashed there. I know there's the whole, oh, he wins one, loses one, wins one, loses one. But, I mean, look, there's no real logic in that. It's all about the matchup. And when you look at Will Brooks, I mean, is he really a uh, top 15 UFC caliber? I mean, just watch his fights. And you tell me because, I mean, he was getting hit hard by Dave Jansen, who, you know, all respect – Jansen will whoop my ass, but Jansen is a jobber. Jansen wouldn't even be top 50 in the UFC, and, you know, uh, uh, Will Brooks is fighting close with him. 
So I think Will Brooks actually has a bright future. He trains with great guys, trains with Rashid, trains with Dustin. I'm sure he takes some serious ass whoopings from those guys, but he still gets the work in. This UFC debut, a lot of great fighters dropped their UFC debut. Anthony Showtime Pettis dropped his UFC debut to a lesser fighter. Max Holloway dropped his UFC debut, not to a lesser fighter, though. Dustin's a, <laughs> Dustin's a beast. Hector Lombard lost his uh, UFC debut to a lesser fighter. Eddie Alvarez lost his UFC debut. All these Bellator champions keep losing their UFC debuts. Not that that's any indication that Will will lose his UFC debut, but at plus three what, 315? I mean, I might have to take that shot, man, because those bright lights... This is this ain't Bellator no more. This is the big show. So let's see what he's got. I want to see if he's the real deal, and he's fighting the real deal. So uh, I, I might put a, a half to a full, and and that's about it. Yeah, man. Uh, the line is completely off in this fight, in my opinion. Plus three fifteen for a vet like Ross against uh, Will Briggs, who's I know he's Bellator champion, but it's still inexperienced at this level of the UFC. Um, yeah, he's fought Chandler twice. That's his best. That's his best opponent. Um, but to be honest, I thought he lost that first Chandler fight. Um, he got dropped in that at the end of that fifth round. But this fight's only three rounds. But I mean, you know, Will Brixie's known for being a super athletic guy, um, very fast. But when I watch his fights, I, I I don't think it's anything Ross hasn't seen before or can't handle. You know, um, as where Brooks, he's fighting guys like Marcin Held who are just diving on legs, or Dave Jensen who's just a a tough guy, or Chandler, who's a shell of himself, or uh, Tiger Sarnowski, a shell of himself. Syed Awad. Syed Awad. This is a whole different ball game now. Um, all the media obligations, all the stress. Um, it's not just showing up at the gym no more, as uh, Connor would say, you know. But um, Will Bricks is a good fighter, and he's the favorite in this fight, and rightfully so. The thing is, everyone has to get welcome to the UFC. I think he's going to fill the moment. At least I'm willing to see if he does at plus three, plus 315. We've seen Ross come up and uh, upset, have upsets like this before. Again, uh, oh, Felder, Laprie. Um, so, you know, I definitely think it's worth a shot. If you want to parlay Will Brooks, because he is a safe fighter, he does move a lot. He knows how to play the game well. He um, he teeps and he runs. He, avoid, he avoids the fight well. Um, but, you know, my worry with him is his chin. You know, I've seen him drop before. He's been KO'd. Chandler dropped him. Jansen hurt him. And um, I think Ross is going to hurt him. And I think Ross is going to pull it off. Go, Paula. I mean, how is he going to be welcomed in his UFC debut? Is he going to rise to the occasion and show why he's been one of the hottest prospects outside of the UFC in the lightweight division for a very long time? Or is he going to understand that there's a big difference between the UFC and Bellator? I think he's going to rise to the occasion here. Um, and I actually did a feature on him on Sportsnet, just uh, letting the casuals know who this guy is and why he's a big deal. Um, but you guys are – and I really like your breakdown of how Will Brooks could lose. I could entirely see those happening. He doesn't strike me as the most uh, – what's it called? Uh, uh, mentally sound fighter. Not to say that this guy is going to you know, run rampant and start shooting up a mall or anything. But, I mean, <laughs> just listening to his interviews and – just the way he is, he's the type of person that when he's feeling something bad, it kind of like eats at him. It sort of ruins his day. Maybe it affects his performance. It affects how he trains. Like he, like there, there's people like that, man. You, you, you mess with their feelings, and they're messed up already from the inside. I mean, Jose Aldo's that type of fire too. That's why that whole media thing that Connor did to him and just runs at him all crazy and stuff, forgetting all the fundamentals, and gets knocked out in 13 seconds. Will Brooks is that type of person, uh, personally. Uh, the thing though, you're for, the most important thing is that Ross Pearson can't string together wins. And because he's coming off a win, he's going to lose. 
<laughs> well, anyway, no, Ross Pearson struggles against guys who hit hard and guys who have wrestling, and Will Brooks has those things. So provided that Will Brooks shows up as Will Brooks, he isn't bothered by all these media day things. He, nobody says something bad about him that makes him overthink stuff. He's going to go in there and he's going to beat Ross Pearson. But as far as a bet, definitely not betting minus what is that on, Ross, uh, I mean, on Will Brooks right now, minus 380 or whatever that is. I mean, that's nuts. I think anything above minus... 180 or something like that. It's too crazy for a guy who's pretty much unproven in Zufa. So as far as a bet, might take a shot on Pearson, but as far as a pick, I think Will Brooks will win here. Go, Paulo. Is Will Brooks going to rise to the occasion on short notice under the bright lights of the UFC's octagon against a 25 UFC vet? You're asking yeah. him again? What? Did I say Paulo? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I meant Kyle. I'll, ta I'll take it. <laughs> I know we look alike, but come on. Um, all, all of us Canadians look the same to you, eh? Uh, no, I, I, like a, <laughs> I like taking the shot on, on Ross. Full disclosure, I have not seen a lot of tape on Will Brooks. Um, but, I mean, honestly, anyone outside of the, the top four, top five, um, this is a good bet. Uh, plus 300, Ross Pearson, uh, I like it. He's a thinking fighter. Um, like you said, maybe he's starting to slow down. He's only 31. He's at a great camp. Maybe he's slowing down, but I think what he's lost in, in the speed and in, in explosiveness, he's gained in experience and veteran savviness. He's, uh, the way he fought Felder, I was on Felder that fight. I got burned, and, uh, and, and he just fought such a smart um, fight, just knowing how to outstrike him, keep, uh, you know, just the way he fought him, the way he lured him in, kept uh, popping him. I, I was very impressed. And, um, yeah, I just think, like you guys say, he's just been fighting consistently at a higher level. And you got to assume that fighting a, a Bellator champion, he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder uh, trying to prove that he's uh, he could be a champion in other organizations as well. So, um, like I said, I'm a little bit blind on it. I haven't seen too much Will Brooks. I, I have seen his fights. I just haven't been able to uh, sit down and do the tape study on him. But uh, for me, I, I think a half unit bet at plus 300 is uh, – I feel, I feel good about that. Yeah, I feel good about your breakdown, too, and don't feel too bad about not watching uh, his fights because we watched his fights for you, and I can tell you, I mean, nothing, he, nothing it, it's nothing to write home about. It's not it's not a top 15 UFC caliber guy, let's just put it like that. You know, I'm sure he'll go on to do good things, but, you know, everyone's got to take that first step back inside the octagon, and uh, since we're playing that plus 315, hopefully this will be that time. Now, next up, main event of the evening. You know, I hear there's some tough finales going on, but... You know, it's not Wednesday yet, so we, we can skip all that. And I'm not sure if you guys have watched the show. I know El Durte Sanchez is doing some big things, so shout out to him. But main event of the evening, Joanna champion Jacek, minus 130. The comeback on Claudia Gadelia is plus 110. Now, a lot of people thought Claudia Gadelia beat Joanna the first time they fought, even though Joanna dropped her twice in that fight. But, uh, you know, a lot's changed since that time. Joanna's actually, she's put on some size. She's worked on her takedown uh, defense, as you saw in the Carla Esparza fight. I mean, Carla, let's let's be honest. She's the first uh, women's UFC strawweight champion. And, uh, you know, Joanna was stuffing those takedowns, no problem. She changed her life. She changed Jessica Penne's life. And, uh, in my opinion, she changed Valerie Letourneau's life, as you saw in Valerie's last fight. Since when does Valerie quit in a fight? Never. So in this fight with uh, Joanna, you know, that was everything Valerie had. That was her last hurrah. Joanna took it right out of her, and then Valerie was never the same. No one's ever the same after they fight Joanna. Now, this is the best fighter she's ever fought. 
Claudia is a physical specimen. You know, I wonder uh, how the testing is going to go down. I'm sure she, I'm sure she's got, she's got her shit on lock. You know, her uh, her Brazilian doctors are top notch. So I know she's going to be coming in here. The fight's going to happen, and uh, it's about you know, can Claudia Gadelia body her or not? The thing with me is, it's a five round fight. In a five round fight, I gotta favor Joanna here because I know those muscles of Gadelia. You know those. Those those abs are gonna be uh, sucking for uh, for air. You know what I'm saying? Have you seen those abs, dude? Oh my god! Um, I just think Jack and Jose Aldo, man. Bro, like I mean, I want to I want to be politically correct here, but listen, what I'm gonna say is this: Claudia's gonna come out strong, and she's gonna fade late, and you don't fade against Joanna Champion. I mean, the pinpoint strikes. I mean, she's a... How many time how many time world champion is she in Muay Thai? Like, like seven-time world champion in Muay Thai? Yeah, this is not a Muay Thai fight. It's an MMA fight. I get it. But you saw her sprawl against the best wrestler in the division, right? So this is a different matchup. In my opinion, Gadelia, she's a complete MMA fighter, but she's going to start to gas in the later rounds. That's going to cost her. So I got Joanna and Jacek, whether it's a late TKO... Whether it's a five-round beatdown, I, I just got her to win this fight. Now, it's funny because I bet the under two-and-a-half in the Joanna versus Penne fight, and was it Mark Goddard? Yeah. Mark Goddard fucked me over hard because Penne, you know, she, she was completely done. She was covering up. She was done. And then fucking Goddard let her take a prolonged beating. So the under two-and-a-half didn't cash, which I'm more pissed at Goddard than I am at Joanna because Joanna did her job. Joanna finished her in under two-and-a-half rounds, but Goddard uh, had other plans. And, you know, Herzog, he was the one refing the Andrade fight with Penne. Did you guys see Andrade versus Penne? Was that not some bad refing? Like, come on. Like, don't let these girls take those kind of ass whoopings. But back on track, I got Joanna and Jacek, and honestly, I don't think the straight bet here is too far-fetched. Minus 130 on the champion. I mean, she opened like minus 190. She should be minus 200. So minus 130, I don't think it's a stretch to take a straight bet on uh, Joanna Yenjacek here. Yeah, uh, it's a very close fight. Um, Claudia is definitely easily the best chick other than Joanna in that division, in my opinion. Um, she definitely has the strength advantage. Joanna has improved her uh, grappling, but she's still... She still shows that, you know, she can be uh, muscled into the fence, you know. Um, Gadelia has to come out and get an early lead and try to hold on to that lead because, like we said, those abs, they need oxygen, and she's going to fade late. And um, even on the feet, to be honest, man, the first fight, Claudia, even though she did get dropped, even on the feet, those exchanges in the second and third round were close, man. It's not like uh, Joanna was, you know, like picking her apart or anything like that. Um she did drop her in that first round. Um, I did think Joanna won that fight, but um, the line on Claudia, man, it just dropped a couple weeks ago, man. I mean, it was like plus 190, and now it's like plus 110. So, I mean, um, when a whole bunch of people are all thinking the same thing, I tend to not uh, join in. But um, I got Joanna in this one. I just think she'll she'll edge this one out. Um, Claudia is tough. I, I wouldn't be shocked if she pulled it off, but um, I got Joanna on this one. I just think the difference here is since their first fight, you know, wh what's happened since their first fight? What has happened ha is, you know, uh, Claudia goes in there against a jobber and Jessica Aguilar and, you know, gets a nice 30-27 where she should have finished that complete can Aguilar. You know, everyone's acting like Aguilar. Oh, number one strawweight outside the UFC. And I'm like, come on, get out of here with that bullshit. That, that was not a UFC caliber fighter. 
and that's been her only fight since Joanna. Whereas Joanna, she's won the championship against the best wrestler in, in the division. She beat up the former Invicta champion <laughs> and Jessica Penne. She beat her to retirement because if you saw the Andrade fight, I mean, there was zero fight left in her. And then she uh, beat Valerie Letourneau into retirement because you saw her next fight, and she wasn't the same either. I think she's going to beat up Claudia Gadelia, not to retirement, because, look, Claudia Gadelia, I mean, look at her body. She's strong. She can take it. She can take the ass whooping like like a woman, right? I was going to say like a man. She can take it like a woman, right? But, uh, look, all bullshit aside, I got Joanna Janjacek and still. Who you got, Paula? Yeah, I got Joanna Janjacek here, and I'm really happy that people are, like, starting to bet Claudia, which means that we're going to get a better line on Young check here. The only thing that, that gets me here is that is there going to be like some extra fluff between these two girls? Because, like, I mean, as we know, there was a, an apparent brawl um, when the tough season ended. And, and I'm just starting to wonder who's in whose head more? Because when I watch a couple of the, a, a little bit of the tough, it looks like Joanna Young check was trying really, really hard to get into Gadelia's head. And Gadelia was just shrugging her off every moment. And I think the fact that Gadelia was just able to shrug her off and act like nothing's happening really pissed off Ioana because I don't think Ioana's the type of person that likes to be taken for granted. Like, I mean, Dana said that Ioana's the type of person that she wants people to, like, respect her because she's the champion stuff. And, and Claudia was just like, I don't give a shit and stuff, and that was getting in Ioana's head. So provided that Ioana has, like, a clear head and stuff, because we know if you go in there and you're fighting angry, you're going to gas faster than, than usual, even if you, you don't have cardio issues. Like, um... So if she goes in there kind of angry, trying to prove a point and knock out Gedalia, and that could backfire, and she could start gassing and maybe start slowing down, and it's going to be a pretty sloppy fight after the third round and stuff, but I don't think it's going to make it past the third round. I think Ioana's going to catch Gedalia at some point, maybe when she's coming on in and, 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 and knock her down. I mean, she already knocked her down twice in their first fight, or, or once, I think, and... Uh, I think she could do it again and because Ioana's getting better. Um, when Gadelia kept taking her down, she hadn't shored up her takedown defense as well as when she was against Esparza. And I think Esparza's a better wrestler than Gadelia, even if Gadelia's on the on the vitamins is, and it's just a better athlete and more explosive overall. But I think Ioana's got this one in the bag. I mean, not in bag, because nothing is in the bag ever in MMA. But, yeah, I think she's going to win this fight in the distance. And I want to make one comment about, you know, how they were portrayed on Tough. you got to understand that people can edit things in a way that can completely change your perspective. You remember how earlier on the show I accidentally asked Paulo the same question twice, right? You remember that? Well, I can edit that out and make it seem like I was initially asking Kyle the question. So <laughs> the power of editing is a very strong thing. So I'm not really too invested in, oh, is she in her head, is she not? Look, they're both going to show up to fight at 100%, and the better fighter is going to win. In my opinion, the better fighter is Joanna Champion. Who you got, Kyle? Don't edit that out, Dan. That was funny. But, uh... I'm, not, I'm not. I keep it real, son. Uh, yeah, man. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you guys made a lot of great points. Uh, I'm on Jan Jacek as well. Uh, the bottom line is, uh, I want to reiterate what you said, you know, Gadella's fought once since their first fight, while Joanna has won the championship and gone on a bit of a title run. Um, not only has she improved, but I think it's the scariest part about Joanna is in that Valerie Laternal fight, which she clearly won, I felt like she looked drained, and uh, that was her third fight in nine months. Now she's had nine months off, and I'm not expecting any ring rust. I'm expecting a rejuvenated champion, and uh, I just... 
I don't really see many paths to victory for Gadella, especially like you said, Dan, in a five round fight in that three round fight that they had, she honestly had little to no success grinding her out. Like, yeah, she got her down, didn't really do much damage, uh, had her in an arm triangle, but uh, nothing, nothing extremely close. And Yon Jacek was making her work for those takedowns and punishing her when she was on bottom. She was landing short elbows. She was getting up repeatedly. So, I mean, like I said, like title run versus uh, kind of a competitive fight versus a jobber. Like she clearly won. Gadella clearly won versus Aguilar, but they were just kind of pitter patter striking each other. And if if she does that with Yon Jacek, she's gonna get schooled, you know, with with either power shots or with volume. So, uh, I mean. I really and yeah, and Jacek's never been finished. Claudia didn't have her in a lot of trouble, like not close to finishing. And I doubt she can grind her out for five rounds. So I'm I'm very confident in Yoanny and Jacek here. And I'm I'm looking at either um, like this line is close enough for me to bet straight, but I'm also looking at uh, putting it in a parlay as well. I just think uh, I think it's honestly an easy fight. Now I, I will go back to Paulo's point about um, if Gadell is in her head. That gives me a little bit of pause because I have not been watching tough. So. Um, if, if Gadella is playing my games and is getting Joanna, you know, riled up and all that, I can see that playing a factor. But I really think this is Joanna's like, like whole life is being this champion. She's so dedicated. And uh, I'm pretty sure before her MMA career, she was thinking about retiring. So it's kind of like this is all bonus for her. So when a fighter is, is in that position where it's like they're finding success after they thought they were going to give up, I kind of like that. It's like, okay, I might as well go balls to the wall, put everything into this because it's all bonus at this point, you know? So uh, I guess balls to the wall is uh, not the correct term to use here. But, yeah, I, mean, I got I got Joanna, either inside the distance or by decision. Yeah, and another thing that I forgot to bring up is, you know, obviously Joanna dropped her in that first round, right? But let's not act like she didn't rock her hard in that third round when Claudia Gadelia pulled up Paul Daly versus Josh Koscheck and swung – after the bell, it's just that, you know, she was so rocked. It was, you know, the difference between Daly and Koshik was that Daly was pissed off because Koshik was whispering, you know, some, uh, you know, racist obscenities in his ear. So when he got back up and the bell rang, he took a swing at him. In this fight, Joanna uh, had Claudia rocked to the point where the bell rang and Claudia's still swinging hard and she doesn't know where she is. This time... She could go down, so we're going to have to tune in to find out. But we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, man, the fight to watch for the Tough 23 finale, what is it, bro? Um, I'll say uh, I'll go with uh, Cesar and uh, Anthony Smith just because on paper it seems like a lot of wild shit should happen. <laughs> yeah, a lot of wild shit will happen. Now, go, Paula. What's the fight to watch, man? Um. Oh, you didn't say your fighter to watch, or are we doing that later? No, we can fight to watch first. Okay, fight to watch. Yeah, I'm going to go with the flyweights here, man. I mean, I'm a little bit biased towards the flyweight because, like you said, I feel like people are just, like, sweeping them under the rug and pretending they don't exist. But there's a lot of skill with these guys, man, and they move at a really fast pace, which is what I like in an MMA fight. I mean, nobody wants to watch, like, five minutes of guys just hugging and throwing a punch every one minute or something like that. So, yeah, this is definitely going to be a back-and-forth scrap featuring two guys. One guy is... A a really good up-and-comer, and the other guy's a, a former title challenger. This is going to be a really good fight. Well, you said the flyweight, so I assume you're talking about John Moraga versus Mateus Nicolau. And oh, when I was, say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, Moraga and Nicolau. Yeah, now when I was making my breakdown, I forgot to make this example. You guys remember uh, a couple weeks back when Ali Baga Utina fought Gene Herrera? 
Now, Gina Herrera is no slouch. I mean, this kid's got talent. He's got a bright future ahead of him. But Ali Bagautinov was just too seasoned, too experienced. That could be the case here. I see it being a similar kind of situation. But all fights are different, and you never know what's going to happen until they step inside the UFC's octagon. Now, Kyle, what's the fight to watch, my man? I love those two picks. I agree. Uh, Caesar and Smith is going to be fireworks. Moraga and Nicolo is uh, intriguing and also going to be very exciting to watch. Uh, I'll go with uh, Ross Pearson and Will Brooks. I'm I'm excited to see uh, Will Brooks in the UFC, and I think Ross Pearson always has entertaining fights. Um, even when he's fighting smart, like I enjoy watching him fight. I thought his fight with Chad Lepre, back and forth, striking battle, that was uh, very entertaining. So uh, that's that's my pick. Yeah, and I got to go with Jake Matthews versus Kevin Lee. Look, anytime you get these two guys in there, not only is it excitement, but this is a crossroads fight for mm -hmm. both guys. I mean, an L for Kevin Lee would be absolutely devastating, and an L for uh, Jake Matthews would, would set him back a little bit. You know, he'd still stick around, but for Lee, it would be devastating for him to drop this fight. I know both guys are coming in motivated. Both guys got a point to prove. That is your fight to watch for the Tough 23 finale. Now we got to talk about the fighter to watch. Who is the fighter to watch, MMA Genius? Um, I'm going to say uh, Duho Choi, man. I think uh, with an impressive win, he can become – he can move up to that next level and become a serious star over here in the States. I mean, this kid fight's exciting. He's violent, and I think he's got some serious striking skills. I think he's a K-1-level striker, and um, I'm going to say Duho. Paula, who is the fighter to watch, man? Fighter watch is Will Brooks because, as we know, Will Brooks, we're going to see what he's really made of here. He's fighting Ross Pearson. Ross Pearson is a proven gatekeeper, not a top 15 guy. He has to not only beat Ross Pearson, he has to dominate him and look really impressive because anything short, in my opinion, he's just going to be forgettable. Yeah, I agree with you, my man. Uh, Kyle, the fighter to watch for the Tough 23 finale. I'm going to go with the, the dark horse, the leech, uh, Lee Jing Liang, just because I think... <laughs> Uh, this is a this is a setup fight. I just I really think even after his last fight, I, I said I think Lee's gonna be around for a while. I think he's a, a good prospect. Like I said before, I love the pop he has on his punches. And with a fighter like this, I think it's gonna be a spectacular finish. So I got the leech. Hey, you never mentioned who you were uh, parlaying him with. I'm looking. Th this is the parlay I'm looking at doing. Is going Lee Jingliang, Du Ho Choi, and Yuana. That's not official, but you're gonna get around plus two forty on that. And for me, that, those are the kind of ones I like. I think they're all beast versus bum type of fights. I see clear paths to victory for each guy. And, uh, you know, I'm not betting. When I say parlay, I'm not going lottery tickets. I'm not chalking it up. I'm not betting a lot. So one unit uh, on those three guys for plus 240, uh, that's the bet I'm looking at making. But follow well, me on Lost Best of luck, my man. Test. The three teamers. Best of luck, my friend. I hope you cash. Now, yeah. my fighter to watch is Ross the Real Deal Pearson because, look, He's got the chance to stop a hype train right here. He's the guy with all the experience. He's fighting the kid with all the pressure. And if Ross Pearson can go in there and get this victory, I mean, that'll propel him possibly to a top 15 fight. Because, look, if you really think about it, the kid's been putting – well, the kid, the, the man has been <laughs> winning against guys like Paul Felder, Chad Lepre. Now if he can get this victory over Will Brooks, I mean, that's three nice names under his resume – and uh, that would have been three wins in his last four fights. So, in my opinion, Ross Pearson is your fighter to watch, the Ultimate Fighter 23 finale. Now, guys, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Always a pleasure. Look forward to speaking with you guys again. Look forward to cashing some underdog bets. And I hope uh, my boy Kyle catches his parlays. And, guys, just let the audience know 
where to follow you on social media? Uh, MMA Genius 05. Uh, yeah, just get at me. And it's always a pleasure to talk fights with you guys. Now, Kyle, Rockstar Z, tell them how to spell it. Tell them where to find your quick fix. What's the deal, my man? Uh, yeah, just follow me at Rockstar Z, uh, R O C K S T A R Z E E. Um, that's my uh, Twitter handle, and also the name I'm under on Capertech. Uh, that that parlay is not official yet, so if it busts, like you gotta you gotta stay tuned to see if I end up pulling the trigger on that. But I mean, I, I like the number, and I like those three guys. Um, and yeah, I, li I like the genius set. I love just uh, shooting the shit with the, about the fights with you guys. Um, and it was nice to meet uh, Go Paulo for the first time on here. Uh, it was a fun time. Go Paulo, the floor is yours, brother. Yeah, well, it was great talking fights with you guys. Finally good to meet Rockstar Z, fellow Canadian. Great having you on. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at MMA, and I put out articles with Sportsnet, at Sportsnet. I got another one coming on regarding the five title fights and which of the title fights I think is the likeliest to have an upset. So come check that out uh, soon. Awesome. Definitely follow these gentlemen. If you don't follow these gentlemen, unfollow me right now. Now, guys, thank you so much for checking out Half the Battle. Make sure to subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the picks. Follow me at bestfightpicks. If you want to talk some shit, I'm always down. And, uh, guys, tomorrow night, breaking down UFC 200, we got two very special guests, Robin Black and Sean Carey. You know, the thing with Half the Battle... You know, the fighter interviews are cool because we get to get the inside perspective. I ask them questions tailored to how their fights are going to go down because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a betting man, and I'm also a fan. And, you know, I try to separate the two. But that's what's so fun about interviewing these fighters and getting the knowledge, you know, the, the mindset, how they're going into these fights, how they overcame their losses. But tomorrow I got the number one MMA analyst, Robin Black, and the number one MMA handicapper, Sean Carey. Half the battle's always been about the medium between MMA analysis and handicapping, and that's what we got tomorrow on Half the Battle for UFC 200. Robin Black, Sean Carey tattoo. We're going to be breaking down all of UFC 200. Make sure you stream it live. We're going to be going on, I think, around you know 9, 9 p.m. Eastern time, maybe 9.10, maybe 9.13, maybe 9.15, but bottom line, it's happening tomorrow night around 9 Eastern. I really hope you guys enjoy. Best of luck with the bets and enjoy the fights.